You're listening to Now I've Heard Everything, interviews from the 80s, 90s, and 2000s with voices from the past. The first line of moving pictures is, love means never having to say you're sorry. With that lie, millions of boxes of Kleenexes were launched. I mean, the only time I didn't realize what an absurd line that was, was on, like, take 11, freezing cold on that porch where I had to say it. Actress Ally McGraw. Today on Now I've Heard Everything, I'm Bill Thompson. Back-to-back major movie roles in 1969 and 1970 made the young Ally McGraw one of the world's most popular actresses, almost overnight. Her portrayal of Jennifer Cavallari in 1970's Love Story remains a film classic to this day. As the years went by, Ally McGraw starred in more major movies. She married actor Steve McQueen. Later, she married film director Robert Evans. In 1992, Ally McGraw finally wrote her autobiography, and that's when I met her, and we had a frank conversation about her career and her personal life. So here now, from 1992, Ally McGraw. Irving Lazar, who's one of the great legendary literary agents, took me to lunch about five years ago, and he said, kid, that's how he talks, kid, you've got a great book in you. And I said, how? What are you talking about? And he said, you've had such an interesting life, and a lot of what happened to you is glittery and fun and sexy and you've had these amazing men in your life and and you started from such a different background and and I and he said I think it's very it's a great book at which point he dragged me around from publisher to publisher I got a number of offers for for advances and the one that I took sat in my kitchen for two years because I was so intimidated by the thing called had I signed it I then would have had to start writing and I didn't have anything to write, of course. I then, um, it's a long, long story, but the, but the short form is that after I had uh, gone through the experience at the Betty Ford Center for treatment of alcohol, I realized that a couple of years later that that, along with the glitter and fame and glamour, would make, it, it put everything kind of in perspective for me. I realized that... I've been given all these amazing gifts and blessings and choices and excitements, most of which are still available, and, and I'm, I've got the most amazing life. But the fear and insecurity and stuff that I was grappling with and which finally started to, to complicate my life very seriously was something that probably a lot of people could relate to so that they could read it, as, by the way, the fan mail from the hardback suggests, and say... Wow, you mean it doesn't fix it to be on the cover of Time magazine? I always thought if I could only go to the south of France for two weeks with Mr. Wright, I'd feel okay. And, um, and of course, nothing fixes it except working on your own junk, getting clear, and taking responsibility for yourself. Is there something uncomfortably self-conscious, though, about sitting down and putting your life on paper, particularly when you were asked, as I presume you were asked along the way, to tell us everything, tell us about... I didn't tell you everything. That's the interesting part. Ah. Because there's a long time. Well, you can't, of, can you? I don't want to. You know, I have, I have uh, certainly talked about my marriage to Steve McQueen because it was a very publicly documented part of the life of Ally McGraw, movie star. I've talked about the making of Love Story and my marriage to the then head of the studio, Robert Evans, my great friend from whom I've been divorced 18 years and the father of our child. That was publicly documented. But there's a lot of my life that's really nobody's business except mine and, and the various participants. 
what what was clear to me was that I didn't want to write a kiss and tell book. I, I think they're vulgar, and and I could write a great one. Let me tell you, the the list is dishy and hot, and it would be a, a very cheap way to get a bestseller. I didn't want to do that, and I didn't um, I didn't want to lie because when my career began, I was so I'd never lied about my age, but I kind of kind of warped romantically a lot of other facts you know i i skirted some serious issues so i thought well if i'm going to do this i'm going to just tell it for real and and uh, i'm not going to make myself the victim of of anything because i'm not you know i had choices all along and i picked mine and sometimes they were disappointing and hurt and sometimes they were fabulous and in moving pictures, they're both sides. It's not just a book about surviving alcoholism. It's not just a book about not getting good reviews for the last movies and getting on the cover of Time for the first. It's not just a book about married to two famous men early on and now what? You know, it's. I, I think that I've had, in a certain sense, almost a caricature life in the sense that I had a wonderful education, extraordinarily bright, sensitive, intellectual, artistic parents with problems, and and then this freak thing of being the girl with no training whose second picture went through the roof. You know, and I I I find it altogether to be about a human being, not about a movie star. You know, while we're on the subject of love story for a moment, Michael York was here a couple of weeks ago. Oh, he has a new book. It's a wonderful book, too. Is it? Uh, it's just marvelous. He's an excellent writer. I'm not but surprised. He, but he tells in there how he was uh, apparently among the legions who were approached uh, for, the, for, the, for the male lead. He tells us how in the book how he had lunch with you and you were such a charming person. But he, he for his own reasons, decided the, the American public didn't really want a story like Love Story just yet. He, he, it was his decision that that was not the proper film for him to do at the moment, and he regrets it now. If he made the wrong assessment of America's taste at that moment, did you make the right assessment at It that was point? never about America's taste. I mean, I, I wouldn't presume to be so, so wise. I mean, if there indeed were people out there who knew what they wanted, believe me, there would be more blockbuster <laughs> pictures. There's such an element of chance and luck in it. I think that... Ryan and I, for some weird reason, worked in Love Story. I think the sense of lightness that the director, Arthur Hiller, had worked for that material, whereas there were other directors, one of whom is a very, very close friend of mine and a brilliant director. Who knows that he would have done the same take? Um, Francis Lay was the right choice for music, and as I've written in my book, there were others. Um, it all came together in that freak that happens once in a while, a hit. I don't think I don't think we can recast it and be sure it would have worked might have um, I think Michael York is really gifted and and uh, I don't think he made a mistake for him either because he's done his own stuff really really excellently yeah he hasn't done too shabbily yeah exactly are you surprised by the success of your book are you surprised that people will accept a book that is not a dishy kiss and tell, something that is more tastefully done. I would have said that I was surprised. In the first place, I have a wonderful publisher, which is Bantam, and they have really um, worked overtime to make people aware of this book. I've been traveling. Last year, I, I went on the road with it, and now I'm doing it for 
the paperback, and next month I'm going for the Spanish edition in mm -hmm. South America, and the month after that to France for the French edition. It, there's been work involved. But here's what doesn't surprise me. The more times I'm in a room with bunches of strangers, the more I find we all have in common. So I think for anyone who has read it, not with a critical idea about, you know, a literature course at, at Harvard, but with an idea to finding out what makes a specific human being tick, the more I learn that I think very similar things make us all tick. And I think fear and attendant insecurity and crowd-pleasing and um, the need to, to numb some feelings are such commonplace threads that that uh, my the response has been sort of relief. Oh, yeah, you too? And it's like, that doesn't surprise me because I've been around too many people who've said that to me without having read the book. After this short break, Ali McGraw spills the tea about one of the most famous movie lines of all time. Now back to my 1992 interview with Ali McGraw. There's, a, there's a, a positive tone to the book. This is not one of these uh, weeping, oh, look at poor me. Oh, please. No. <laughs> First of all, not poor me. Lucky, 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 blessed me. But I, I also don't, I'm not crazy about the victim theory of behavior, especially uh, he made me, I mean, the, the, the specific one-liner that I get sick of hearing on the road is, so Steve McQueen made you quit work. And, I, and over and over again, I say that in the middle of this tremendous love affair was the reality that it really pushed childhood pain buttons for him to have his wife on a job that was all-consuming. And I respect that. I didn't understand how deep those scars were when I said to him, um, I don't need to work. Nor did I tell him the truth, because part of the time I do need to work. And uh, so, so I... I I feel, I mean, I've, I really made a point in all of these instances of looking for the good stuff and the lesson stuff and not the whining stuff because I, I don't respect it. It would be so easy for you, though, to say, to be bitter and to say, hey, yeah. it ruined my career. I'm not even the littlest bit bitter because nobody made me do anything. I made a choice. And you know, the, the fabulous thing is I have this 21-year-old son and I have wonderful stepchildren. And I know that that I had something to do with that. I mean, at the moment that I said to two little boys, Steve's and and mine, excuse me, we're a new family, but I'm going away on location, it would have been even tougher than it already was with two divorces behind each. You know, each kid had already been through a divorce when we all got together in the house. I think you do make choices. For me, you know, the whole business of having a child is a choice. I believe strongly that, and I've written about it in the book, that, that in the privacy of our own home, we can make that choice. And, and, and people with different feelings can live the way they like to with, with blessings. But for me, the minute I, I say, yes, I want a child, I, I'm, I have to be prepared for the rest of my life having that as a priority. And Joshua is my priority. I mean, and when, when I wrote my book... I gave him 
it, and I said, read this. If there's anything in it that makes you uncomfortable, it's going out. And he said, no, I'm really proud of it. I, w- I was very glad to see how much attention was paid in your book to children. Because so many, you've read the, 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 the celebrity bios, autobiography. Yeah. Yes, I'm trying to hold my upper plate today. In which, in which it's you know, oh, oh, look at me! I did this picture, then I did that picture, then I had this affair, then I had oh, by the way, I had two kids. Yeah, you no, know. Joshua has always been the most important person in my life, and and in fact, he's 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 had uh, in good times and bad the possibility to to say how he feels in our house. I was brought up in a house with people I adored. They're not alive anymore, but. I never dared say how I really felt. How are you? Fine, thank you. And fine, thank you isn't good enough in the intimacy of a house. You should be able to say to your mother and father, I'm really angry, I'm hurt, you hurt my feelings, I'm scared, I feel like a loser, I'm too ugly. Because if you don't get to say that to somebody, for sure, you're going to go out and get loaded behind it. Because then at least your apparently hip friends are going to think you've got it together. And so I wanted Joshua to say, you know, all that stuff, all that feeling stuff, and to say to me, you really made me angry, or what are, what are you doing? You're hurting my feelings. And so consequently, as two adults now, uh, we, have, we have an extraordinary friendship. We always did. Are there people who know you only for your later roles, uh, even something uh, the, the Winds of War that, that is still uh, you know, on, on video cassette and is popularly seen, and then they have to be reminded, oh yeah, she's she was that girl from Love Story. Listen, there are people who don't know who I am. You know, <laughs> I, that's the truth. I mean, I'm not saying that like seriously. It's a sure, not everybody in the world saw Love Story. There's a whole generation. After all, Love Story was 20 years ago. Yeah. If you're 12 years old, why would you have seen Love Story? Who wants to watch Love Story as an eight-year-old, right? There's plenty of it, sure. Yeah, it's, it's <laughs> that's frightening in a way. <laughs> well, it's it's only frightening because the, the reality is of how how fast time is moving. That that you know is always scary to me because I'm trying to learn not to have anxieties about the future, to to have common sense but not obsession about what what the future is going to bring, and not to stay stuck in you know flipping through my scrapbooks about the good old days because that's so neurotic and 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 to stay stay focused on today and whatever I'm doing, have that be... Well, these are the good old days, aren't they? They they can be. I mean, I get the choice to make them the good old days, and, and I really believe in that, too. I think that the education I started to receive at the Betty Ford Center when I went into treatment for alcoholism has taught me very much one day at a time, because it seems like I make bursts of progress and then I fall back, you know, but, but that... that Taking responsibility, making choices, and and uh, trying to be straightforward and honest, and not spend the whole time making sure everybody loves me, makes the possibility for right this second to be fabulous. If I'm not even living right this second, then then who knows what tomorrow's going to be about? Oh, I, I wanted to ask you one thing. Uh, you you've seen uh, What's Up, Doc? The, yes. The, were you as amused by as I was, and as the, the, clearly the whole audience every time I've seen that picture? But the last line when Barbara Streisand yes. leans back in her chair and about those things I said—I mean, the way I acted back there—I'm sorry. Let me tell you something. Love means never having to say you're sorry. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it was brilliant, and I couldn't agree more. It's the first line. The first line of moving pictures is "Love means never having." 
to say you're sorry. With that lie, millions of boxes of Kleenexes were launched. I mean, the only time I didn't realize what an absurd line that was was on, like, take 11, freezing cold on that porch where I had to say it. Jenny, I'm sorry. Don't. Love means never having to say you're sorry. That was the naivety of of never having had any acting training and reading the words and saying, I guess I can say that, and not digging deep, at which one I would have said, how can I say this? This is absolute jive. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, you know, I, I regret that I didn't study then. I think that, that it would have made certain parts of my career easier. But, but the main thing is that here I am, and I have some sort of humor and perspective about some major life changes. Allie McGraw is 82 now. She lives in New Mexico. And you can find easy Amazon links to Allie McGraw's book at our website, HeardEverything.com. And while you're at HeardEverything.com, be sure to listen to my 1994 interview with Allie McGraw's ex-husband, Robert Evans. I, I made people cry. I made people laugh. I made people fall in love. I have evoked emotions that no one else could do. I'm an image maker and an emotion maker. And maybe I'm a little crazy, you know. Because to accomplish what I do, you can't do it normally. And my 1987 interview with the author of Love Story, Eric Siegel. When I wrote Love Story, I didn't know how it was going to end. And he says, love means ever having to say you're sorry. I knew that was going to happen. But then they fall in each other's arms and Oliver cries. I didn't have the slightest idea that was going to happen. And I burst into tears. And of course, we post new episodes here every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And you can find Now I've Heard Everything on all major podcast platforms. And thanks for listening. Next time on Now I've Heard Everything, as we approach Super Bowl weekend, let's go back to Super Bowl twenty-two and my 1990 interview with the MVP of that game, former Washington Redskin quarterback Doug Williams. Being on one of the most respected teams in the National Football League, having that opportunity to go to the Super Bowl was a great thrill. And having an opportunity to play in it was even a greater thrill. And then winning it made it a lot more greater. And then being the MVP just put the icing on the cake. <laughs> That's next time on Now I've Heard Everything. I'm Bill Thompson. Thank you.